0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to my show, Up Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian leaders, entrepreneurs, and interesting allies that I meet in my life who can provide insights and wisdom from the personal journey to inspire you. And this is your host, Priyanka Komla. To our listeners, do subscribe to Up Startup Podcast on our LinkedIn Live page through following me, Priyanka Komla, or our Up Startup Podcast page. You can also subscribe to us on our YouTube channel, Twitter, at Pod Startup and your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Today, I have with me a very fascinating guest, Penny Power, who's joining us from London in UK. Hi,
1: Penny. Welcome to the show. Hi, Franca. Lovely to be here.
0: It's such a pleasure, Penny, to have you on the show. And to our listeners, Penny is a British author and a speaker who's passionate about supporting business growth. She was awarded the second highest ranking order of the British Empire, which is called the OBE in 2014, for her tremendous contribution to entrepreneurs in the digital economy. And she had this foresight back in 1998 before anyone else figured it out in the world on how social entrepreneurship is going to take on the world. So Penny, it's such an honor to have you on the show and we are super
1: excited to learn more about you as a person. Thank you, wow, it's lovely. I've heard some great things about your show, Priyanka. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Thank you, Penny. And Penny founded Academy, which grew across 52 countries and had a membership of 650,000. So working with business owners is something that she loves doing all her life. She also runs a mastermind program for entrepreneurs. So a lot of things to delve in uh, here on the show, Penny.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's going to be exciting because I think now more than ever, People are thinking going towards entrepreneurship across the world. They realize that, you know, jobs are not as stable and maybe this is an opportunity for people to to row their own boat. So it's exciting to talk about this today with you. Awesome. So to our listeners on Career Up Startup Podcast
0: with Penny Power, there are three major topics that we're going to discuss. One, tips for business growth from the expert herself and how to run a mastermind program, too. Two, we'll talk about how do you lead your life and business, especially after financial trauma. And you see her wonderful book behind Business is Personal. So we'll talk a little bit more about takeaways from that book as well. And three, Business is Personal, the BIP 100 Club that she recently launched. So let's talk a little bit more and unveil the real penny as well. So I'm super thrilled. Oh, that's
1: wonderful. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it very much.
0: All right. So, Penny, let's start with your childhood. So you grew up in a county outside of London in Reading, which is more of, you know, a place which is known for farming as well as being a a tech hub. Tell us about your childhood growing up in such a place.
1: Well, I had a fairly traditional childhood. My mum and dad, my mum was mostly at home and my father worked very hard traveling the world um, in industry and... His, his, he was a great communicator in business and always, um, you know, as, as a very strong leader. So he had quite high leadership jobs. Um, but I wasn't keen on going into business as a child. It, it wasn't what I thought would be my destiny. I, I really wanted to go into working with people more in a caring way. So my desire from the age of 12 to 19 was to work with cerebral palsy children, and I did a lot of voluntary work in that. And sadly, I failed to get into the qualification that I wanted to get into. So then I was um, tried to be a nurse and um, didn't manage that either. The the, the university I applied to, to, to do my degree, didn't work out there. And then I ended up getting a place to go to university um, to study psychology. And um, it was during my gap year in 1983, when I was waiting to go to university, that I met a recruitment person who encouraged me to go into sales. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'll save up some money doing that before I go to uni. And I joined the IT industry in 83, just as you know, the, the mainframe was turning into the, the desktop, really, on, on your desk. And incredible time to join a sector. So massive growth, and I never left it. Um, and and so that that's me in business sort of accidentally really but um i've enjoyed doing it my way i think that's the important thing that we all have to find our own way
0: that's an incredible piece of advice find your own way you know especially during this pandemic right everybody's focused on what's next there's always fear and uncertainty and you know, a, a personal lesson from your journey is something that really inspired our listeners is
1: what we hope. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting in when you first go into um, the workplace when you're young is, you know, you're usually quite intimidated by people. You're looking for role models. Um, you're looking to how to create your own identity. You're trying to work out where your passion lies. Um and I think it's a time of great opportunity, but at the same time, depending on your own personality and, and experiences you've had, it can also be an op- a time where somebody else will mould you into what they want you to be. And um, And I think I've fortunately always had a sense of what my own values are and what my character and personality is and what environments enable me to flourish and what environments crush me and um, I think I've had that great sense of self all my life really um, and I think that's what people really need to have now I think there's there's an interesting um, challenge across the world for people since social media has become such a huge broadcasting environment when we started in it in 1998 my husband and I when we started academy it was much more about social networking and about creating your social capital around who you are. Um, but then it's become this what I am now and the broadcasting and the fakeness of people, you know, saying this is, this is my identity, but this is my truth. And the gap between the two can be quite wide. And I think there's a lot of mental anguish in that. Um, so I suppose, yeah, I would definitely say to people, close that gap. And the more you can um, be very real and find your own space to be who you are, the happier you're going to find your life is. So you talked about having a sense of self
0: awareness. What is one tip you would give to our listeners on creating that sense of awareness intentionally?
1: Well, I think first of all, um, you know, our personality is fairly fixed. I think we You know, I can look back, I'm sure many of you can, to childhood and see and relate to the child that you were. Um, But you have character traits and belief systems and things that happen along the way that can impact your character. So if you imagine your personality and then the character of you overlays that. And I think a lot of us think that we can't change. um, But I think we have to get the sense of self by understanding what are the things in life that have given us our belief systems and maybe some of them are limiting belief systems and some of them may be overpowering What's belief systems already? and and really, um, really get back to re- who am I? And I think a lot of that is about self-discovery. And I think we're in an age of self-development. You know, I mean, self-development books have been around for centuries but I think now you know you can't go online or do anything without somebody trying to give you advice about um who you are and getting your sense of um self Uh, but I think it is really important and in fact whilst I say I always had a sense of self I think it wasn't really until um I hit my early 50s that I gave myself permission to review review my life and in my 50s say well what was driving me in my 20s and into my 30s and into my 40s are not necessarily the same drivers that I now need and have in my 50s Um, and it's interesting when we talk to our clients when we're looking to whether or not they want to join our communities you know just that question alone of what is driving you now uh, you know, often these habits and belief systems that you've instilled need a bit of a reboot and a change. Um, so I think that sense of self is about real self-inquiry and, um, and allowing yourself to discover the, the, the you that makes you happiest.
0: That's a great, uh, you know, piece of advice, Penny, because self-discovery is very crucial. And I totally agree with you. What I think is a priority in my 20s or 30s might be very different from what I would see as a priority in my 50s, right? So how do you keep pivoting and reinventing yourself is what, I, what I'm what i hearing through your personal journey.
1: Yeah, I mean, now the big the hashtag of pivots, you know, COVID has created a lot of people to look inside themselves and think about how they're going to pivot their business model, model their technology platforms, their life, their quality of life, you know, we are all now together, globally going through a massive, massive change. And, you know, we can either have that sort of growth mindset towards it that says, this is a fantastic opportunity in my life, and where I'm being given opportunity to change and find my happiness. Or we can stay in a fixed mindset and say, I'm going to wait until life goes back to normal and become a victim of it. And I think it's, you know, I don't think, you know, I think that that there's studies done on the fact that we all go through lifetimes of transitions and change, Uh, you know, and if I look back to all the different things that I've had to pivot and adapt to and change to, we have to, as individuals, realise that change is a constant, and and look at how can we not fight it sometimes, not resist it, and but look for the goodness in in whatever the universal messaging that is that you're getting around the fact that you've got to change. Um, and I've pivoted businesses, I've pivoted away from the businesses, you know, sold businesses, uh, had all sorts of things where I've needed to adapt and change Um, but i'm not saying that that comes from ease you know again it's a belief system that we have to fight Uh, and if you actually look into where belief systems are formed in in our you know in our brains they're formed from memories you know a child can be given a belief system that they're not very good at maths just because one teacher says to them when they're five oh you're not very good at this do you want some help Well, that's the most unhelpful thing somebody could say, because it's instilled a belief system from the age of five. All the way through to different challenges you face that have been hard, you you instill belief systems in you. But they're all very malleable. You just have to learn to, first of all, think about what belief systems you've got that are holding you back. Now, for me, one of mine was I don't like risk and I don't like change. And... You know, when Thomas met me when I was 24, I had huge amounts of financial um, protection around me. You know, I had school fees policies for children. I hadn't even conceived. I had private health policies, which in the UK is quite unusual. You know, not, people don't have to have it. We've got a great NHS system. I had um, insurance policies for things I didn't need, you know, but I was very much seeking security and always worrying about the future. So I had a very strong belief system around risk that made it very hard when I became an entrepreneur. Um, And then I had a very strong belief system around change. You know, when we moved into our family home in 1998, which was a beautiful home, I said to my husband, this is where I want to bring up our grandchildren. This is where I can see them having Easter egg hunts. And this is where I want to be carried out in a box. I don't want to leave this. And Nine years later, when our business um, had to come to an end and it left us with financial, huge financial debt, I had to leave it. And I fought and resisted the fact that we then went on a cycle of about five years of constant change, changing house, changing this, having to reinvent ourselves. And in my head, I was constantly saying, I don't like change. I don't like change. And, and you know, if there was anything that was going to Convince us all that we have to learn to like change. It's when things happen that are out of our control, and COVID is out of our control, and and so you know there's change that you can control and there's change that's out of your control. But if you can't live with change, you've got to explore that in your self discovery, and and think about what 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 can I do to change that belief system so that I can make myself happier, which is ultimately what we all want to be. We want peace and happiness. <laughs>
0: No, that's amazing. You know, I'm just so enthralled listening to your personal journey. And thanks for sharing those vulnerable moments, you know, because a lot of us can relate to stability and security in our life when we feel we've achieved our dream, be it the house or the car or having a family. And then when things just go out of control and that needle shifts, it's, it's traumatic, right? On how do you embrace that change? And I see you, Penny, as someone who's Done it with grace, you know. You've learned how to pivot your belief systems as well, and learn to take risk and enjoy the change because it leads to the ultimate happiness in life.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, I I chose to go to a psychologist three years ago because when I decided that I needed to um, really dig into some of the belief systems and also some of the pain that we have been through both um emotionally and financially and different traumas our family had faced um you know I decided I wanted to go to psychologists because a lot of people you know there's a lot of people that have the open-mindedness to just accept um some of the self-development things that people use you know um you know whether it's mindfulness or meditation for me I needed a little bit of science and and real proof that um how the brain works and how we can um, work with our brain, just like we can work with our heart and our muscles, and you know, we can we can our, our brain is incredibly malleable uh, to the to the dark side as well as to the joyful side of life. And and I think, you know, every day something can knock your resistance, something can knock your resilience, something can say you know, I'm pushing away from this, or something can say, this has really hurt me. Um, You know, those things can, you know, change on a whim from an email that comes in, you know, we used to have to, you know, fight cyber tooth tigers or whatever. And that was what gave us stress. Now it's an email that can come in that we weren't expecting. And if we don't learn Certainly as business leaders, if we don't learn how to manage our mental fitness, I think life is going to become very unhappy. It's not going to kill you, but it is going to be unhappy. And I am shocked with how many people live an unhappy life when they could take control and change that. Um, and I think, like we said at the beginning, some of that's they carried carrying on with the dri- same drivers that they had when they were an ambitious 20 year old. Um some people have massive sense of unrequited success, a bit as painful as unrequited love. You know, you've loved your business. You've loved the company you work for and it's no longer working and it doesn't seem to be loving you back. And it's painful and um, we have to learn how to deal with those. And so for me, my journey is one of mental fitness, which is a daily thing. The mental health and physical health is something that we can all seek. But physical fitness and mental fitness are things we have to do every day um, and enjoy doing it.
0: That's fantabulous advice. And especially for business leaders, be it in our personal life and our pro- professional life, having that mental and physical well-being as a top priority is key. So thank you for sharing you know, your in-depth experience, having traversed it successfully and continuing to do it every day as a challenge in itself. Uh, So thank you for that, uh, for sharing that journey with us.
1: You're very welcome. Yeah, uh, it is a journey where none of us have finished products, that's for sure.
0: I know. So let's talk about um, a little bit about e-academy. You know, when you started it, uh, you know, a few years ago, how did you envision the future and how did that lead to getting uh, awarded and honored with the OBE Award? So tell us a little bit about that experience.
1: So um, I mentioned my husband, Thomas, and unfortunately, we're soulmates. We met when we were very young. We've had a family together. Um, We still giggle away in bed at night before we go to sleep. And so we're very lucky that we think very similar and have similar values, but we execute life slightly different, which is good because we have different skills um, that we bring to business. But one thing that Thomas taught me when I met him when I was 24, I was employed. I was a sales and marketing director, or a, a CMO or whatever of a, a technology company. And he had his own business. He was already entrepreneurial. And I was just fascinated by this concept because I had had no entrepreneurs around me in my life. It was not a world that I was at all familiar with. And one of the things that was so important to Thomas was his ability to remember people's names and to connect people to one another. And it's an amazing gift. And I think few people really recognize how important, how special it is when, you know, if I said to you, Priyanka, I know somebody, well, it's like Sangeeta telling you about me. What a beautiful gift when somebody refers or recommends you. And Thomas was just phenomenal at it. And he taught me what networking was. I'd never even heard of that phrase. I'd never networked when I was 24 in 1983, you know, 87. It was nothing I had ever heard of. So, if we roll forward to 1998, the internet was emerging. It was all a bit geeky and boring because it was all about forums and it was all about, you know, having a website, e commerce, e procurement. And Thomas was working in that space, doing a lot of consulting and advising in it, and some public speaking. And I just said to him one day, we were sitting in a pizza restaurant. All these people that are going to emerge online with their own businesses, and clearly there's going to be a huge increase in self-employment and and entrepreneurship because this, the world is so open now because of the internet. Um, you can have a business just by opening up, putting up a website. Um, This surely is going to increase loneliness um, and it's surely going to increase the need for people to be able to network with people they trust. And so Thomas really liked that and came back after a trip to America, actually. He went off the next day and he came back and he said, I really think you've got something there. And together we decided to start a community Um, now when I say this and people are listening they're thinking oh that's LinkedIn or Facebook well it wasn't because in 1998 there were no other social networks Um, so um, the the term social networking didn't even exist but we decided we wanted to start a community online with nice people um, people with good values who wanted to be friends with one another but who owned their own businesses and we started Academy and it just caught something in people, and it grew very rapidly. It was very hungry um, financially, and it took us into this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial world, and it took us all over the world. Especially Thomas, because I was at home with our three little kids, so we didn't. I didn't want to travel as much. Um, I could do a lot from home through the night and at any odd times while we built the community. And we rapidly got to about a thousand people. And actually, if you start a business with a massive amount of really obvious values that either attract or detract people, you know, you're either people are going to want to be that or they're going to say, no, that's not for me. Um, the first thousand members we got were really special and they introduced themselves to one another. And then it just started to go crazy until it was in 52 countries and we were running 5,000 offline events a year and people were having an amazing time. And the values behind it was always about friendship in business um, so that people could trust and also really enjoy being the supplier to or being the client of because you could see the impact it was having on that other person's life.
0: That's pretty amazing. So tell us about the OB award. How did that feel getting that recognition?
1: Well... That came two years after Academy had come to an end. And um, when it did come to an end in um, around July 2012, it was a very, very painful journey for us, particularly for Thomas, because he put far more into it than I was able to. Um, and it was it was very challenging. Um, You know, not only as anybody who's losing a business now, you know, you do put your identity, attach your identity to it. And so we went into the wilderness for a couple of years. I started another business called Digital Youth Academy, which was to help young people who were um, unemployed and get them into jobs with their digital skills. And Thomas became a non-director exec for a number of companies. But we had lost our home, our identity. And also... It's quite interesting. I think in hindsight, we should have had a wake like a funeral for Academy because it wasn't just us. It was all our members that had lost that home as well. Um, but, you know, if I if I could turn back the clock, some things I would do differently. And one of them would be to somehow, even if it was in a park, have a gathering of everybody that wanted to sort of feel sad about it because it was a huge shift for a lot of people in their life. They locked all their place that they you know, imagine if you're very connected into LinkedIn and it suddenly disappeared, you know, all your content, all your groups, everything. Uh, so it was a shared pain. And so it was two years after that, that I got a letter from um, the prime minister at the time, David Cameron, saying that that they wanted to nominate me for an order of the British Empire, which means I had to accept that. And then they would put me forward to the Queen. And um, that's what happened. So, um, and, and the citation was for the contribution that Academy made to uh, entrepreneurship in the digital economy, social digital economy, which is a lovely piece of validation because that external validation, that recognition, that acknowledgement um, gave us something, gave us something to say it was worthwhile, that we we did make a contribution.
0: That's a oh you know, an amazing way you put it out because you've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations being an entrepreneur. And when you felt you've lost everything, you still had the grit and the resilience to wake up and, you know, figure out what's next and getting the validation, you know, from the from the British empire itself, from the queen herself, yeah. a great testimony to the impact that you've created to help fellow business owners succeed, you know, fellow, fellow human beings succeed by giving them a sense of identity Uh, in this digital world.
1: So kudos on that. Thank you. Thank you. It was very special.
0: Awesome. So let's talk about your mastermind program. So you run a unique mastermind program that allows members to build their businesses into the type of business and life that they've always wanted. Can you give us three key strategies that, you know, any business owner or any entrepreneur needs to have to create a mastermind program to conceptualize a successful mastermind program
1: yeah so it's interesting because a number of our masterminds have gone on to then create their masterminds which is lovely so you know the concept of a mastermind was napoleon hill wrote about it in think and grow rich and it is the concept of getting 12 fantastic people into a room um, or up to 12 people into a room and for them to have the mentality and the um, the values around, I want to help you grow. And if you get twelve people believing in each other and understanding very clearly what the definition of success is that each person has for the time together, um, you get a phenomenal amount of knowledge exchange and connections exchange and and love actually, which is beautiful because there aren't many places where you can go where you get 11 other people unconditionally supporting you. Um, you know, they're not your spouse. They're not a boss. They, they are there. To, and, and when I say unconditionally support you, whether your issue that you bring in is health or emotional or financial or around your skills that you need, around your mental well-being, they are there to talk things through with you. And so the reason I like it is that I haven't enjoyed watching this sort of growth of the guru who says be like me because I'm brilliant and you join their accelerator programs or whatever. And I think they can really overwhelm a lot of people and can leave people with a sense of, you know, I'm not good enough. I can't do it because this person is so special and it's easy for them. And I was talking to someone a couple of hours ago that a client that rang me in tears saying just business is so complicated. And I said, well, that's because that guru is deliberately making it look complicated so that you keep paying your subscription to that guru. And um, so Thomas and I are quite anti that, you know, you're poor, I can make you rich. You're ugly, I can make you beautiful type of marketing. Whereas a mastermind celebrates the experts that are in the room and builds them up. It's not about Thomas and I being the expert. We're there to bring the right people into the room and to create the right environment and it's phenomenal, and we've now expanded that because um, we get a lot of people applying from all over the world. And the masterminds are offline; they they happen in London, and so now we've created Bip One Hundred, which stands for Businesses Personal One Hundred, and Bip One Hundred is to celebrate the expertise that people have. It celebrates experts and brings them into a network of just one hundred people. And now bring them together. We're sure we could create a really special community. Um, with you know with the right hopefully one where people will stay for a long time and what's been very interesting is people can pay monthly or can pay annually and so far 80% of people have paid for the annual and that means that they are probably they are wanting that home to commit to and and they want to say I'm committed to this and it's interesting. One one person dropped out of our mastermind recently and they just said, thank you very much. I've got all I need from it. And that just sums up someone who's just wrong. And I felt really upset that I had selected that person into the mastermind because their attitude was, I got what I need. But I'm leaving now. You guys get on with it. And that's not what a mastermind, that's not what life's about. It's about growing together and um so they effectively bought a product they didn't buy a community um and i think it's a real lesson for everybody that when you do commit to a community it's about what you give into that community um and that's what we really want to help people achieve and that's what's interesting is that hopefully by people watching the way me model things they then and go and repeat that in their businesses um you know, because I think this limiting something to 100 is quite important now because it's very hard to go into huge communities and have a voice in those communities.
0: That's pretty great advice, uh, Penny, because we're hearing a lot of buzz around masterminds and you know, helping us really delve deep as somebody who's successfully done these mastermind programs and telling us that, hey, it's not just an end product that you buy. It's not just a course where you just run through the, the basics and you're done and you're out. It's more about how do you create that sense of community and engage in terms of helping each other succeed. You know, that's the the premise of having a mastermind program. And I hope our listeners who are interested in joining a mastermind or creating their own mastermind, keep that as a key marketing strategy, uh, which builds a strong foundation to create that community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now you spoke about, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, it's all about heart, isn't it? (laughs) You know, we can all keep expanding our brains. But I think the more we can do things from our hearts when we're doing things, the more that has impact and builds that trust.
0: Very true. So you spoke about the BIP 100 Club as well. So this was launched in September 2020. How do people how do um, you know who should join this club so our listeners can figure out if
1: this is the right thing for them? Oh, that's a great question. So we're looking for experts. So we've got 100 places and we're looking for that cognitive. Is that my phone or yours? Sorry, that's my phone. We're looking for somebody once said to me, which I love, one of our one of our new members said, I love the cognitive diversity. i would never heard of that phrase. Um, And I, I think that's what we're looking for, because we're wanting the diversity of people that will really increase the innovation and the skills and the conversation and so we're looking for experts so people who have honed an expertise um, and they've applied a lot of years into that and they maybe want to be more known for that expertise they want to help to build their brand they want to understand how to run their business a bit better because a lot of people that have passion behind their expertise they don't spend a lot of enough time actually honing their business skills um so we're we're wanting people who are people who want to commit to something You you know the contract is you can leave after a month that's no problem but that would mean that thomas and i had had spent a very poor amount of time selecting the right people So when people apply, they go to BIP100.club, BIP BIP as in businesses, personal, 100.club. And there is an application process. And we, either Thomas or myself, then gets on Zoom and spends a good amount of time, you know, between the two of us, we probably spent a couple of hours on each person, making sure it's right for them and making sure it's right for the community. Um, Because we don't want people to just come in and then leave and... What we're discovering is people are saying they like the thought of being in a community early, helping to shape it, being with other bright people Mm -hmm. with skills. And so if that sounds right for anyone that's listening, we would love to get your application. We only launched literally this month. So um, on the 7th of October, we've got our first cohort of 10 and we're going to introduce them to each other. And then we're going to stop once we get to 100
0: that's pretty amazing and we wish you all the very best penny and Thank we have a, uh you know we're excited on bringing these experts you know based on cognitive diversity you know that's very interesting uh, when people are talking about different types of thinking <laughs> diversity the cognitive diversity is something that we'll have to always remember is more important bringing to the table
1: yeah i think you're right i think it's uh the diversity issue is a big, challenging one, isn't it? Um, ultimately, I see everybody the same. It's their heart and their brains that I see the difference in. And and, I, and that's, you know, that's, that's what we really want to make sure is in it. So, yeah, we'll have some great people in there, I'm sure.
0: I'm looking forward to your continued success and helping fellow entrepreneurs succeed because I think that's where you bring a lot of impact. So you, it's not just about you. It's about helping people grow.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's where a lot of people get their branding wrong. It's it's never about you. It's never about yourself. Your brand is always about the impact that you want to have on others. And, uh, you know, when I touch the keyboard, I'm channeling to people. I'm not thinking, how do I get myself known? Very true. So let me... Um,
0: talk about your book, Business is Personal. And for those who are on the video chat can see those splendid copies of the book behind Penny. What is one takeaway that you can give to our listeners from that book?
1: Ah, uh, There's a lot of takeaways. Um, I think the big thing really is um, giving yourself permission to lead the life that you want to lead and, and get that clarity around, you know, what is this life that you really want to design and how can you make it happen? Because we have so much choice we have access to skills we have so much choice in our lives um we can really design our lives and i mean thomas and i have really redesigned our life quite a lot you know we've we've even taken up cycling we've bought a motorhome an rv type thing we've we've built a business where we can work remotely on the road we can you know go work in the morning and then find new places to go cycling and I just, just, choose, you know, think about what makes your heart really happy. Because I think we can all now design a life and an income that will give us what we want.
0: That's splendid advice. Thank you so much for all those nuggets of wisdom that you've shared. We have a fun rapid fire round for you, uh, Penny. Are you ready for it? I am. So, you tell us the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following: role model. Say again. role
1: model. Rome, or probably my husband. What does happiness mean to you? Freedom, I think, freedom of choice, freedom of the type of people that we work with, uh, freedom of time.
0: What is one fun thing about Penny that you haven't shared with anyone, but it's exclusive to our Curry Up Startup
1: podcast listeners? Oh my goodness, I don't know how fun it is. Well, I suppose I've shared here about the the motor home and the cycling but I maybe that I used to swim for a local county so I was a big swimmer butterfly and front crawl and um, so I've got big shoulders as a result of it. <laughs> hey that's that's a splendid way of uh, you
0: know being physically and emotionally fit right swimming yeah. gives you a, a tenacity. One word to describe Penny?
1: Uh, happy?
0: Well, we see that. Uh, thank you so much, Penny, for being on our show and for sharing those wonderful, you know, life experiences. You know, everybody sees you as a, a successful entrepreneur, but the story behind the scenes is actually very moving, and I hope that's very inspiring to our listeners as well.
1: Thank you. It's been wonderful. I think um, your the, the Curry, Curry podcast is really, Curry Up, I should say, podcast very special. I'm enjoying it. I think that... The uh, guests that you have, the leaders that you have, your intention with it. The fact that you do this three times a week is phenomenal as well. So I've absolutely loved it. And I think your questions and your the way you prepare your guests for it as well is wonderful. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Priyanka.
0: Thank you, Penny. That was uh, amazing. So thanks so much. To our listeners on our Career Startup Podcast with Penny Power today, we have three key takeaways that we wanted to share. One. Don't fight or resist change. Look at Penny's life experiences and look at where she's today and how she's constantly reinventing herself. So uh, just be happy and keep rolling with the punches is how I would see Penny's journey. And two, as everybody who's focused on creating a mastermind program or is interested in joining one, don't look at it as a product. Look at it as building a community, engaging engaging with each other and helping each other succeed. And three, and the most fabulous aspect of all, Penny, is being happy, you know, being peaceful. You know, as leaders, we need to constantly stay mentally and emotionally fit. And one email or, you know, somebody's resentment shouldn't really push us off the curb. So thank you for those three splendid pieces of advice. Do you have any parting thoughts
1: to our listeners? No, I, I just say go out and design the life that makes you really happy. That's all I just want to say to people. Thank you so much, Penny. And
0: congratulations on your continued success with your book, Business is Personal, with the BIP 100 Club. We'll have links to that as part of our show notes. So to our listeners, uh, her book, Penny's book, Business is Personal, is an amazing read. So if you're an entrepreneur, a leader, go check out that book. Uh, It's available on Amazon. And we'll also have links to the work that Penny has done. So that'll keep you more inspired as you look at the life journey ahead. So thank you so much, Penny, again. And to, our, and to our listeners, uh, hope you found this episode to be inspirational. And we look forward to seeing you at another episode with another fascinating guest. Until then, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off from Curry Up Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian leaders, entrepreneurs, and allies to inspire and ignite conversations. Do subscribe to us on LinkedIn by following me, Priyanka Komla, or our Career Startup Podcast page on LinkedIn or on YouTube, your favorite podcast streaming platforms and on Twitter at Pod Pod Startup. So thank you so much again.